Hi everyone, I'm Job. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Remote, where we are reimagining how the world works and lives. This is Remote Talks, the show where we interview the top minds in remote work and global employment. Alison Bar-Allen, CEO of FAST, joins me this week as we discuss how to balance hybrid remote workplaces and ways to create more inclusive companies from the top down. Um, and to get started, uh, maybe you can tell us about who you are uh, and what the company is uh, that you're working for, what, what it does. Sure. Um, my name is Alison Bar-Allen. I am the co-founder and COO at a company called FAST. Um, we are scaling one-click checkout for the entire internet. Um, so think of putting a, a buy now button um, on any website that you um, interact or work with. And uh, wh why is that a why is that a good idea? Why 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 address that particular problem? Yeah, for sure. Um, so most of my tech career has been in payments. Um, I sort of happened upon the area when I was at Uber. Um, I started in an operational role at Uber uh, called driver operations, and I was helping drivers, um, managing the existing drivers mostly in the Chicago market. So I would do everything from weekly payments to designing incentive programs to managing tons of special events to sort of anything that you can imagine related to drivers. And we had this support center that I would work in a couple of days a week. It was basically like a DMV. Um, so it was funny. It's like me behind the counter, like answering all their questions and uploading documents for them. Um, uh, but what, what I realized through that process and talking to lots and lots of drivers was that payments was the most important part of the whole ecosystem. Uh, they were driving for Uber to make money. That was like the main goal. And a lot of these people were living paycheck to paycheck and they were using it uh, to pay their bills and, and their rent. And they often did it because it was hard to get other jobs. And at the time, Uber was one of the only places where you could really download an app and use resources that you currently have and earn money right away. So it was a really magical thing. And I really felt like I was making a difference um, in the community there. But through that process, yeah, I realized that payments was incredibly important. Um, and if they didn't understand uh, why they got paid a certain amount or if they didn't get paid on time, then it was like really stressful and emotional for them. Um, so I ended up moving to San Francisco to uh, work on our driver payments team. And uh, my team was called product operations and we embedded ops people within product teams to really be the voice of the customer and help with large scale product rollouts and product strategy. So. Um, one of the main projects I worked on first was something called Instant Pay, um, where we went from paying drivers once a week to 24-7 on-demand payments. Um, and with the click of a button in the app, any driver could pay themselves on demand after they take a trip. Uh, so before the process was we would send these bank files on Sunday or Monday night and they would get it on Wednesday. Um, so that was like a really magical experience to be able to press a button and get paid. Um, and I, I saw like firsthand what that meant to drivers. And it also was beneficial to Uber as a business because people would be more likely to drive if to say they could drive for a couple hours and then afford to go to a movie or dinner with their family after because they could get the money right away. Um, so it was this very simple product, but I saw the magic and the value that better payment methods can provide. Um, so fast is really a very similar concept. It's it's you press a button and you pay um, and, and merchants can get paid faster as well. But the process currently online is very complicated to check out and pay. Um, this is why you have, the reason you have usernames and passwords is so businesses identify who you are. Um, and a lot of that is so that you can pay more easily, but because of how the internet and identity is currently structured, every single tab on your Chrome browser 
you have to replicate yourself over and over and over again. Like one tab doesn't know, like isn't able to transfer to the next tab, right? Um, So that makes it like pretty difficult to to use the internet. And I think while younger, more tech savvy people have these complicated processes that they've figured out to manage login and passwords and, and make it easier, I think there's a huge opportunity to make the internet easier to use for all sorts of people. Um, and you sort of saw this firsthand with COVID and how do you help older people um, more easily buy things online? Um, so, so the problem we're tackling is really large scale, but a lot of it is about press a button and, and make a payment um, and make it as easy as possible. And with that, people will be more likely to buy things or maybe buy things that they wouldn't have previously because right now there's quite a bit of a drop off, um, especially at the checkout step, especially if you're on your phone and you click an item you like and you're like, I'm not going to create this account just yeah. to buy this one little thing. Yeah, yeah, I've experienced that many, many times. I, mean, I, I, I think your product is it's really, really smart and, and uh, I, I, <laughs> I hope to see it everywhere because it, it is definitely a frustration that I, I felt. And so, you know, Fast has grown, uh, pun intended, really fast as an organization. And uh, mostly I think during the beginning of the pandemic and then during the pandemic. Um, and that meant that uh, I, I think the company started out as like, we're all going to be in San Francisco. How, how has that evolved? Yeah, so we have an incredible office in San Francisco that uh, we will keep. Um, it's this like great open warehouse space and sort of reminded me of my my early Uber days. But um, so so we'll keep the office. But last summer we decided that we'll have a, a remote policy going forward or a hybrid model. So if people want to come into the office, they can. Um, and we're sort of already seeing lots of people request to come back into the office because um, myself, even I have a small apartment in the city with my husband. And if I'm working in the bedroom, he's in the living room. And it's like, we can't even be on conference calls without hearing each other. So I think people, there will be some return to offices in some regard. Um, but I think people like the optionality to be able to, to work, um, where they want. And we've had people move back to their hometown. Uh, we've had people locate to, to different countries. Um, so I think that flexibility is, is really important. Yeah. You call this fast flex, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now most companies I think are moving towards that model. COVID lasted way longer than I think any of us anticipated at the beginning. Um, So I think companies are sort of being forced to do it from a employee satisfaction perspective. Yeah. (laughs) What has been, um, what has been the response internally? You said some people um, moved, moved to other places. Uh, have you seen something else, which is like, uh, and how do you deal with situations where you have someone that is outside of San Francisco and that might want to work from the office? Do you help them move or how do you deal with those kind of situations? Yeah. So San Francisco is still pretty shut down, um, where it's like illegal to be in offices still. So we haven't <laughs> okay, had yeah. people that yet like wanted to move to San Francisco. Yeah. Um, I think the city will bounce back. I think it's been more on the conservative side as far as reopening. So we just haven't seen it yet, but I think, I think the biggest challenge when more people are in the office, will be making sure that remote and local people feel the same, connection with the company because um at uber we weren't remote but we had lots of offices so you had you were always on zoom it was like a similar thing but you're just calling from different floors or whatever because it was impossible to get conference rooms um so i was used to being on zoom all the time like that was sort of my way of working so that wasn't different to me i think the challenge comes when you have people that uh 
sometimes if you're most people are at one office and then some people are at another office, they may feel like a bit out of the loop. So I think that would be important in making sure that that everyone feels really included, um, whether they're at the office or not. I think it will help that people won't be in the office five days a week. I think we sort of already seen that people would prefer like even the three, two model or sometimes uh, are coming in for afternoons or, or different hours. So um, I think that will help as well. What is uh, what is the plan in terms of hiring? Will you say we're going to hire anybody from anywhere? Or do you restrict it on, on particular in particular ways? Yeah, so we're open to hiring people all over the world. Um, a lot of it's based on experience and sort of meeting our, our bar for the interview process and um, pipeline. But we're very excited to be a global company. I think being global has is sort of built into my DNA. Um, sort of again from being at Uber, we were very, very global. So that's sort of my standard way of working. And it's like, why not go globally as quickly as you can? So we're sort of already thinking through what that strategy is. And Dom, my co-founder, is from Australia. So um, uh, and we have people in in Europe already. Um, someone works for us in, in Amsterdam. So uh, we're thinking like very globally with that. It's like, you have to be able to support multiple time zones and, uh, have, have resources all over the world. So part of it is doing business and making sure, um, you can support all these different geos and countries. And then another is like a talent, uh, play where I think, again, people like the flexibility, um, and being able to, they, some people may still want to be in San Francisco, but some people may want to move other places. Um, we've had quite a few people move to Seattle area, um, and other places. So I think they like they like the option um, and not feeling like they're stuck in one place. What is the, what is the long-term plan? Like, do you expect to open more offices around the world or how do you, how do you think about dealing with that? Yeah, still TBD. I think offices will likely come back more than people think. Um, there's sort of some companies are saying, oh, the world will be entirely remote, but I sort of even see it from our own team. Like people are excited to get out of their house um, and have different options um, versus just working in one place all the time and sort of change of environment and um, or for family situations or whatever. So I think there's sort of still a demand for offices. I think if and when we open other offices, it would be dependent on how many people are located there and sort of uh, demand from employees. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we see this a lot. Uh, I, I think, you know, one of the things we keep saying is like working remotely during a pandemic is like, it's not the best way of working remotely. It's the worst possible way of working remotely. It's, like, it's really nice to not be at home and like work outside of home. So yeah, you can't go to coffee shops. You can't <laughs> do a lot of the stuff that I think, uh, and, and a lot of people still, especially in the Bay Area, I can't really send their kids to school. So I think it's, it's different than it will um, be in the future. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm I'm also at home stuck with the kids, so it's uh, <laughs> definitely definitely a challenge that we're all looking forward to 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 be resolved. We work, we work's gonna be ready to come back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, one of the things um, I I've seen you tweet about and, uh, is is about representation of women in in business and like especially in higher levels of uh, business. Uh, have you seen this change at all during COVID? I mean, we internally have this thesis about you know, to give some context why there might be change, which is if you hire from anywhere, you don't have a natural selection, like you don't have a natural select self-selection of, you know, a particular type of person because there's talented people all over the world and you actually have the opportunity to interview, you know, hundreds of people. You should be able to build like in gender diversity and any other form of diversity, quite a diverse team. Uh, have you seen changes in this? What are your thoughts about this? 
Yeah, it's it's evolved. I think in the past, I think I tweeted about this too. In the past like six months or a year, I think there's definitely been more of a focus on female-led companies and highlighting women leaders as really aspirational people. I think historically, a lot of times these business people that you look up to or that are sort of evangelized in the press, a lot of them are men. Yeah. Um, and it helps to have like much like better representation at the top because if there's not then it's people don't think they can ever sort of achieve that um so i think there have been a lot more sort of big rounds or billion dollar plus companies led by women um i think it's still in the early stages and um but i think especially in the past year or two there's sort of been more of a focus on on seed shades companies and like uh, VCs actually looking at their portfolio and figuring out the, the gender diversity where before it was sort of something they, they didn't really talk about um, or think about as much. Um, there was also there's also been quite a bit bit of emphasis on women at VC funds, which should also help. But some of the results will take a few years, I think, to play out because of their seed stage companies. It will take a, a bit before you see the results of some of this work. But I think the venture industry compared to like private equity or hedge funds has been much more active at sort of looking at at women at the highest level um because you don't really see this as much on like the hedge funder or pe side and i think over i think i've looked at the numbers before like three percent of like all financial assets are managed by women um so the the numbers are just like terrible um so i think it, it's a good start like what the venture community is doing and i hope that sort of expands i think what kathy wood has done uh, with like ARC ETFs. I don't know if you've heard of her, but um, she's like a, a fund manager that has like incredible returns, which uh, especially in that industry, there's there's just not a lot of women at the most senior level. So I think examples like that where um, women are, are totally crushing it and um, having incredible returns like really, really helps. From a hiring and leadership perspective, I think a lot of it is about intention um, and just saying, okay, we need to look at the numbers and we need to do our best to have like fair representation at the top, because it's still true that, especially for more senior roles, like men are often much more aggressive at reaching out cold um, or working within their networks and looking for new opportunities. Um, so a lot of times it, <laughs> you have to be a bit more intentional or reach out to women more proactively or say, we're going to set a goal to have 50% female managers or whatever the goal is. Um, I think part of it is like, even to start tracking it. Um, like in your hiring pipelines, you can say, okay, these are like the percent of women that we're doing for first phone screens for engineering or whatever. And start by just like looking at the numbers so that you're aware. Um, and then you can sort of set goals about where it goes. But if you just ignore the problem and you're not intentional about it, it's it's pretty hard to fix. Yeah, yeah. I, early on at Remote, we, uh, we opened a, a position for an engineer. Um, and there was quite a lot of interest and we looked at the pipeline it was only men um, and <laughs> we literally just my co-founder Marcel he went on Twitter he says we only have men applying uh, at this position please like that doesn't make any sense like we have a diverse company you'll be interviewed by other women and other men and all sorts of people and uh, and it made a huge difference um, and it, it's I, I think being intentional about it is uh, makes a lot of sense and being being honest about look, like, there's, there's only men in management position. There's only men applying to these roles. Like it can be different. Uh, I want yeah, engineering to... is still pretty hard. Yeah. Um, there's just like fewer women engineers. I think where we're really excited about is more at the junior level and at, like training people internally. Um, and how can we train more female engineers? But um, yeah, it's, 
there's there's still a gap there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really think we can do better with with remote, like with remote work in in general, by just saying, well, yeah. there's a much greater pool that we can access now, and we can we can leverage that. Um, if it wasn't for fast, what what would you be working on? What would you be building? Oh, I have no idea. Um, I'd probably be, be in venture. So uh, before I, I met Dom, my goal was to go into venture capital and I wanted to invest in, in fintech companies. I thought that was sort of my calling in life. And I still really love um, early stage companies and talking and helping founders. But um, I sort of saw the opportunity here bigger than, than anything I'd seen. Um, and it was uh, sort of perfectly aligned with with my experience and, and my goals um and there's just like so much potential that we have and, and what we can build so it was a bit serendipitous but um i'd probably i'd probably be doing something within venture capital yeah because you you're also an angel investor i think you called your fund uh, trial run ventures did i get it right yeah it's um it's just a personal um angel investment fund but when i first started angel investing i tweeted about it a bit and then i started getting all these like cold DMs. And I was like, I'm just going to put up a website so people know what I actually invest in. So it's a bit more um, streamlined. So yeah, it's sort of a fun, a fun side project. And that, and the name comes from, I think, one of your greatest hobbies, as far as I can see from Twitter, which is uh, running. Yeah, I, I love long distance running and um, sort of I try to run outside and in, in nature as, as much as possible. So actually, because of COVID, my husband and I were able to spend more time in Tahoe where I have family, so it's been great to be able to to go to the mountains um, and get out of the city. Any any goals in terms of running distances that you want to do, particular runs that you want to complete? Uh, I've been trying to do a three hour marathon for a long time. I'm I'm sort of a bit off. I think my best is three fourteen, but maybe so really next, fast. Like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe in the next like three to five years or so, but. I've gotten to a point where I, I don't like racing as much as I just like training. I think um, running and training is like incredible for mental health and, and physical health. And it's such a simple thing to run outside, but I, I get a lot of joy and, and satisfaction out of it. So to me, it's like it's 10 percent physical and 90 percent just a mental battle to get, especially once you start like running longer distances and you 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 want to get somewhere to me it's just fighting my brain the whole run yeah the trick is most people run too fast um especially if you don't run a lot so the trick is to to slow down um uh yeah i noticed in amsterdam a lot of people run really slower in america people are always like sprinting um which is like a funny cultural thing i spent a lot of time in the netherlands when i was at uber so um i thought that was funny yeah, there's not not a lot of hills, so it's it's easy to to run in the Netherlands. Yeah, Alison, um, thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, where can people find you and Fast on the internet? Sure, uh, we're very active on Twitter, so at Fast, um, or my handle is at Abar Allen. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining.